0: Welcome, everybody, to Ubaldi Reports. Now, today's podcast, we're going to do something a little bit different. Instead of having a guest on, I'm just going to give a basic analysis of this week in the political world because we had a couple big things happening so far. We had the State of the Union addressed by the president on Tuesday. We had the Republican debate last night. And then finally, on Sunday, we are going to have the Democratic debate. But first, the State of the Union address. President Obama gave his last State of the Union address on Tuesday, and this one was a little bit different than the ones he gave in a recent past. Most presidents, when they give their State of the Union address, is a highlight regarding what they want to accomplish that given year and what they want to, um, what proposals or programs or what they're trying to accomplish and they want to get through the Congress. But again, this was slightly different because this is President Obama's last State of the Union address. So he started off kind of highlighting the strengths of the U.S. economy, what's going on around the world. But this one was in the backdrop of the recent stock market um, sell-off. At the beginning of the year and in subsequent days, we've had huge sell-offs on Wall Street a lot of this is dealing with the slowdown in the global economy, most notably in China. Europe is slowing down. Oil prices, which typically would have been a good thing, have, are at record levels. But that hasn't really impacted the U.S. economy. You would think that with more money in the pockets of the consumers, especially in the United States, this would increase the economy. But we haven't. we've seen the opposite effect where consumers just aren't spending. And then at the beginning of this month, there was a report, and it's only still preliminary, that the GDP or for the fourth quarter of last year is going to be substantially lower. And the many economists are predicting that GDP for the fiscal year of 2015 is going to be 1.8%. And this Still is extremely low, and we haven't been above 3% in almost 10 years. So when the president gave that State of the Union address, he focused on the economy, but he left a lot of things out. The stagnant um, economic growth, even though unemployment um, is at 5.0%, but we still got a, a huge labor participation rate at its lowest level since 1978. So more people are out of the economy than are in the economy, and we still have the national debt, which the president kind of briefly mentioned how we cut it, but it really is not it's still very high we're going when he leaves office, it'll be about twenty uh trillion dollars, so this is greatly affecting the economy now the other aspect of the president's address was his biggest regret was the partisanship in Washington. Now, this raised eyebrows at the end of his speech when he talked about, when I leave office, my biggest regret is the partisanship in Washington. And he is correct. The the partisanship is just unbelievably toxic. Both parties can't seem to work together. They can barely decide if they're going to have chicken or roast beef for any kind of meeting. But the president has to also look at himself, too, because when he came into office in 2009, we had the... In the uh, throes of the economic rec- crisis, which we all remember, the Republican Party was demoralized. They were just got just really spanked at the um, the polls, electing a, a Democratic president to replace George Bush, who was Republican. The Senate and the House um, was solidly in Democratic controls. Now, in the Price of uh, Politics, written by Bob Woodward, and he's the the author of and the the investigative journalist that really took down the Nixon White House during the Watergate years. He mentioned in his book that he did blame the Republicans. And I'm not trying to hear to say that all this partisanship in Washington is President Obama's fault. The Republicans are equal to blame. There's an element of the Republican Party who will not work with this president or do anything to give the president any type of, success on anything, whether foreign policy or most notably in the economy. But Bob Woodward mentioned again in his Price of Politics in his book that he does blame the president. The president came in and he basically said elections have consequences. We won, not you. And he took a very partisan approach to governing. He really was, his way of governing was to crush the Republicans. Now, people can agree or not agree, but any of the past presidents, Bill Clinton, um, John Kennedy, Franklin Roosevelt, you know, Harry Truman, even Ronald Reagan, was able to work and work across the aisle. And this president really hasn't. The two of the biggest uh, signature issues, well, three of the biggest signature issues, the stimulus, Dodd-Frank financial reform, and the most controversial of the, two, of the three is the health care law, commonly known as Obamacare all passed strictly on partisan votes. So the partisanship has gotten deeper and more pervasive. So the president also needs to look at himself that he was part of that as long with the the Republicans. The other aspect of his speech is, which kind of threw some eyebrows up, is he didn't see ISIS as an existential threat to the United States. And people were like, considering what we've had in December with the attack in Paris and then the also the attack in San Bernardino, people were kind of concerned, like, what? And if you look at the polls, most Americans have really tuned this president out as it comes to dealing with foreign policy, especially ISIS. And any poll have shown most Americans really don't trust the president on this subject. So it was kind of odd that he said that. And then the one issue that was left unsaid was Afghanistan. Now, the president had stated when he came into office he was there to end two wars. He pulled us out of Iraq, and now we ha- he was going to pull us out of Afghanistan. Then when he saw what had happened in Iraq with the, the rise of ISIS and the collapse of the Iraqi government and making that into a much like a a semi-failed state, he's leaving some troops in Afghanistan. And then we've had the recent killing of American forces last month and this month. So it was kind of odd that he left that out. But now also this week we had the Republican debate. And I didn't actually watch the debate. I listened to it on YouTube and because that way I can get a little bit more insight onto that without even the, all the commercials and stuff. But it was kind of ironic that the debate always centered around ISIS and foreign policy, but basically, who was better equipped to deal with ISIS? And the moderators, even though it was conducted by Fox Business, it's always seemed like trying to clash what a, a candidate said versus of just asking them the question and then doing some follow-up. And it just seems to turn into the theatrics instead of really getting to the heart of the matter. Now, again, they still focused on ISIS a lot. And then they did talk about the U.S. economy. And, you know, obviously they're going to blame um, President Obama for the lackluster economy. But they really needed to get into more detail. Now, they did get into some detail when it comes to tax policy. But they really needed to focus on a couple issues that they really didn't focus on, is small business. They talked about in their tax policy how it affects corporate America for bringing its money abroad, which is at the tune of $3 million under the tax aversion. Um, But they really haven't focused on small business. Now, John Kasich, he did touch a little bit on that. But they haven't gone into great depth of why small businesses are struggling. Even the Brookings Institute, which is a progressive liberal think tank in 2014, mentioned that new businesses, it's at its record level. It's at its lowest level. And you're seeing old businesses as anything like 15 years or older. But right now you're seeing a lot of small businesses are not growing. A lot of small businesses are leaving. A lot of small businesses are collapsing. And a lot of this has to do with some of the financial regulations. Obviously, the health care law is affecting small business. Now, some businesses are doing all right, but it's not growing as fast. And the Republicans really needed to address some of these concerns from the business community. And what most Americans need to understand small businesses represent between 60 and 70% of all jobs created. And that's typically uh, businesses about 50 employees or less. So more and more Americans are working for small business. But the one thing I was watching and listening for is how are you going to change that dynamic? How are you going to make the United States a more entrepreneurial nation where you can start a business? Grow your business, hire more Americans, not just in certain pockets of the United States, but how are you going to grow small business so they can feed their families? Because everybody seems to focus on tax reform as it affects corporate America. But talk to any small business owner in your community. And I would ask most Americans to do that. Ask small business owners in your community across the United States and say, how is business? How are you dealing with these regulations that you have to deal with? How are you dealing with the, the Affordable Care Act and anything that is associated with business? And just ask them, Is it been made easier or harder for you? And this is what I wanted the Republicans to, um, to answer. The other thing is, now the Democrats talk a lot about income inequality, and they're, they're correct. There is a big gap between the wealthy and those below us and into and everybody else. I mean, the top 1% are making more than the other uh, percentage in America. The Republicans really didn't talk about that as much. They needed to explain to the American people, what would you do differently to create jobs? How would you create jobs? And when it talks about income inequality, they haven't mentioned too much about The rising cost of education. Now, my father only had a fifth grade education. He stressed the only way to get ahead is either go to college or you go into the vocational field. Even my brother, who makes a really good living as a superintendent for a construction company, didn't go to college. How do we impart more and more people to go into these trades? Not everybody is geared for college. Not everybody wants to go to college. And not everybody has the temperament for college, My brother has a different – he's more of a person who has to feel it, touch it, make it, build it, and he really makes a good living to provide for his family, especially living out in California. So the Republican candidates need to really express that, but it just seems they went into this role of who's going to take down Donald Trump, but even when they discussed and asked Donald Trump questions – One of the points that Donald Trump made, he was very convincing about the 9-11 attack and how he felt and everything like that. But when you go into depth, most of the pundits seem to think, oh, he did all right because he did this and he said this. But if you dial back the rhetoric, dial back the mannerisms, there really wasn't much substance, especially when it came to China, when he talked about tariffs. China is a growing economy. Now, they've slowing down considerably this past year and especially the last few weeks because we're seeing this the stock market as a result of that but when he talked about putting tariffs on China like up to about 40 percent it seemed like he didn't quite have an understanding because if we put tariffs on China what do you think China is going to do to us and that sets a global situation where everybody's going to protect their own manufacturing base so you really didn't quite have um, an answer on that. And it just seems to attack each other's statements. The moderators, they did an all right job, but they just seem to be reacting to other people's, other candidates' statements more so than really asking them poignant questions and then following up and not allowing this bickering back and forth trying to get their airtime and getting them off their um, – their stump speech, their talking points, and really dial down. So that was kind of missing on um, during the Republican debate. Now, there's going to be one more at the end of this month. I believe it's on the 27th of January, right before the Iowa caucus. Now, this Sunday is the Democratic debate. Now, this is kind of ironic because the Democrats are only having six debates. The last two debates were on um, Saturday, which is kind of odd, Because most people don't pay attention to politics on a weekend. Now, this next debate is going to be on Sunday, which is also a little different. Why would you hold it on a Sunday when most Americans are really going to be paying attention? Because Sunday is NFL football playoff season. So more Americans, I believe, are going to be watching the football games and doing other things than paying attention to a democratic debate or any kind of debate for that matter. So that was kind of, I don't know, interesting or maybe there's some reports that that was a way to pave the way for Hillary Clinton to get the nomination because the democratic national Ch- uh, chairman, she is a strong supporter of the Clintons or and Hillary Clinton for that matter. So she's doing everything she can to help facilitate that, even though she says she's not but even other candidates like Martin O'Malley and Bernie Sanders have complained about the the, um, the debate format. But in the previous debates, especially last month, the Democrats seem to lack focus on ISIS. Now, the Republicans are the same way. They talk about, we're going to bomb them, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to attack them. But no one has really addressed the core issue. How do you defeat ISIS? What replaces ISIS? What was the American's... Um, strategy toward Assad. That's a factor. How does Iran and Russia play into this? They're heavily involved in supporting Assad. What about the Shiite government in Iraq, which is heavily dominated by Iranian influence? So they just never focus on these other issues. In the Democratic debate, unlike the Republican when it comes to ISIS, they focus on what got us there. George Bush invaded Iraq that therefore that caused ISIS that's kind of a more of a simplistic answer, and the one thing the Democrats have to realize. At the State of the Union address, Vice President Joseph Biden, he voted against the first Gulf War and then voted for the war in Iraq as long, along with Hillary Clinton and John Kerry, who was in the Senate, voted against the first Gulf War, then came back and voted for the war in Iraq. So I would like to ask those two. What changed your opinion between those two events? Was it a political decision? Or did you have a compelling reason why we had to remove um, Saddam Hussein in Iraq? And what I would like to implore to people, you can't look at it from today, you have to go back to 2002, because 80% of the Democratic Party voted for the war in Iraq, including the minority leader, um, Harry Reid. So, I think they need to focus on what, how are we going to fix the problem now because a lot of the issues transpired after 2009, especially with the Arabic Spring, which took out a lot of the autocratic and dictatorship regimes throughout the Middle East, including the Arabic Spring going into Syria, which caused the, um, the civil war, which we are right now. So, I think it needs to be, oh, quit blaming what we got there. It's equally sh- shared around. How do we fix this problem and how do we go forward from this? The other part of the Democratic debate is the economy. Now, if you listen to the last few, uh, few debates and through the campaign trail, Bernie Sanders is big on income inequality, and he's correct. There is a big gap with income inequality and the middle class are getting squeezed. And Hillary Clinton you know, says the same thing. But what they have to realize is the Democratic Party has been running – the economy for since 2009, and if you if you don't want to blame the president for everything, and Republicans have a, a part to play as well, then that means George Bush shouldn't get the whole blame for the economic crisis of 2008-2009, nor should Bill Clinton get the credit for balancing the budget in, two, in the um, in the 1990s when he had a Republican control, I mean a Republican control Congress. So. It's interesting how they're going to proceed from that. And the question that has to be answered with all the proposals of free education, free health care, uh, an expansion of the go- of government, how is this all going to be paid? How much taxes are going to be paid? Because if you just tax the, the the wealthy, that's just not enough revenue. You're going to have to hit the middle class. And that's what everybody talks about. the The one thing that's lingering, the lingering doubt is – for the Democratic Party, is the Clinton email scandal. Now, just to refresh everybody's memory, this email scandal came out of the select committee on Benghazi. After about five investigations, they didn't find anything. Then when John Boehner, um, who was then the Speaker of the House, decided we're going to do a select committee on Benghazi after... The Na- Deputy National Security Advisor Ben Rhodes was part of changing the talking points. They have evidence of that. He decided to move forward with this. That's when they found that when they made a request to the State Department for Secretary Clinton's email, who was then Secretary of State, they found out they didn't have it. Then it, The New York Times broke a story last March that Secretary Hillary Clinton had a, um, her own personal server and her own personal email. Not tied to the government monitoring that, so that's gonna be, that's been an issue. And over the, the the course of the time, she said that I'd never sent or received classified documents. Well, now it comes down to find out that thirteen hundred classified, and some documents were t- at the highest security classification of top secret. Just recently this week, it's been reported that. The FBI has expanded its probe, not just into how she mishandled or potentially mishandled classified documents. What role did the Clinton Foundation have while she was Secretary of State? Because reports and documents have shown that while she was Secretary of State, companies doing business before the State Department were also donating to the Clinton Foundation. And her husband, former President Bill Clinton, was receiving Hundreds of thousands and and sometimes into the millions, as in speaking fees, while she was Secretary of State. So they're looking into this. And the question becomes if the FBI comes back and says that she grossly mishandled classified documents and makes a recommendation to the Justice Department to indict her or to make her, um, yeah, to indict her on this, does the Justice Department under, under Loretta Lynch? Move forward with an indictment? And if she doesn't move forward with the indictment, what does that say for the whole investigative process? Well, that certain people can get away with their certain things, and other individuals, like there's a couple military personnel who were convicted of doing extremely far less than what she did. One Marine officer was convicted because he sent a class of, I mean, um, he sent in a personal email to warn his fellow marines about an individual who was unscrupulous and prevented the deaths of some of his marines and he was convicted another sailor was took a picture and in the background showed a picture of a sonar um, in a sonar room and he was convicted of that so it'll be interesting to see where this proceeds but if it gets to that point whether she's indicted or whether they don't indict what does the fbi do many of them are would be Potentially, some of the reports are they could resign in mass over, hey, something was done. So it'll be interesting how this impacts the race. So each of these issues, as we move forward, are going to make a change because there's a lot of fear out there. And that's why Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders have tapped into on both sides. I mean, Donald Trump has tapped in because people are scared and nervous. They haven't seen their lives improve, and they just see – the establishment getting ahead above them. And Bernie Sanders has tapped into those on the left who believe Washington is benefiting at their expense. They graduate college with high debt, no job prospects, no economic prospects, and their lives are going to be worse. And for the first time, a generation of Americans are going to far worse than the previous generation. So the one thing I do implore is everybody to Take part in this election. Whether you're Democrat or Republican, vote your conscience, but vote. Get informed and don't let the candidates on both sides, Republican and Democrat, challenge them on their assumptions. If they make a statement, ask them or find out why did they do that and get the media to challenge these candidates on their statements. Far too often we we get caught up in campaign rhetoric and catchy advertising slogans instead of what would you do to jumpstart the American economy? What would you do to drive down the cost of of college education? And then also, what would you do to to make us safe at here and abroad? How would you defeat ISIS? All we get is Either use the military or not. There's so many options. I spent 30 years in the Marines, three combat tours to Iraq and Afghanistan. There has to be other options. We're not using the trigger of the military as the first thought. So challenge these elected officials. And if anything, get out and vote because America needs Help and we got to rebuild up our country. And I want to thank everybody for tuning into Ubali Reports and listening to this analysis. If you have any questions, follow me on Twitter and, excuse me, on Stitcher and iTunes. Sign up, leave some comments what you think. You could also find a book I wrote called The New Business Brigade Why Businesses Need to Hire Veterans. You can find that on Amazon. So I encourage you to read that book and, again, challenge our elected officials. And I can't wait to hear hear some of your responses and keep listening to Baldy, reports.